Hi, everybody. My name is Kara McCarran, and I'm the host of She's the Owner podcast. On this podcast, we're going to be featuring female founders who are at any part of their entrepreneurial journey. We will ask them the same 10 questions and see where the conversation takes us. It's Kara McCarran with the She's the Owner podcast. And um, I did a call out yesterday, actually, and this all happened really quick. And I called out to the men in my community to come on the show and talk about mature masculine. And one of those men is with us today. So Tristan, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Um, so he and I, this is our first time chatting. So this is going to be, I think, kind of even more extra and exciting because I get to know about him just like you guys are going to get to know about him. So tell us, tell everybody a little bit about yourself, your transformational coach, and um, yes, tell, tell us about your journey and a bit about you. And then we'll kind of dig into some other fun stuff. Yeah, sure thing. So yeah, I'm a, I'm a transformation coach. I work primarily with entrepreneurs, entertainers, leaders, and typically people come to me when they know they're ready to make a huge change, um, both in their income and their impact. They can feel the potential within them and they cannot figure out why they keep hitting this glass ceiling. We go in there and pretty quickly identify what needs to shift just internally for the most part and people get results really quickly. So I have a ton of passion for what I do. I love helping people and that's like a broad stroke of what that looks like. And, um, I'm sure we'll get into my story at some point, but mainly from a very, very early age, I really wanted to help people. And I had a, a pretty strong sense always of what a human is capable of uh, to a far greater degree than we typically give ourselves credit for being capable of. So my whole orientation in the world always is just looking and seeing potentiality in people, places, and things and wanting to actualize that potential quickly. So let's let's get into your story on that yes. note. So tell us, tell me how you got to where you're at. I mean, we always, I think, in our in the personal development space, we all have come from some sort of challenge, and I think that's what makes us so passionate about helping each other and other people. So tell me a bit about how you got to where you're at. Sure. Well, the the road's been winding as it has for all of us in our own ways. Uh, so it was everything from a barista to a professional musician to teaching meditation retreats to running a house painting business. Yeah, I wow. really did a lot of different shit. And, um, you know, looking back, all of it fed me and, and led me to understand who I am and how to show up today. And how I ended up here in this moment is uh, five years ago-ish, um, I, I knew I wanted to help people in this very particular way. I knew I wanted uh, permission and access to really getting real and really going deep with someone and just going, hey, look, if you want to go from here to here, you're, you absolutely can. The desire to do it means there's a way, but we're going to need to get in there and I'm going to need sort of like all access. And uh, I didn't even know the coaching industry was a thing, truthfully. I knew who Tony Robbins was and I think that was probably it. Um, so I just sort of embarked upon doing this thing and then started to realize like, hey, there's a whole world of people and, mm -hmm. and uh, a whole industry based around this. But that's, that's what it looked like uh, sequentially. And then, you know, you sort of alluded to, to the origin story that we all yeah. have and, and overcoming or moving through something challenging. So um, for me, you know, I'm a recovering people pleaser and, and chameleon. So for so many years, the way I sourced safety in my life was to be whoever anyone needed me to be. Um, I didn't care how shitty it felt or how good it felt or anything like that. Uh, but I had a, a 
finely tuned sense of what someone else needed emotionally or psychologically to feel okay. And being a sensitive human, as we all are, the way I learned to be okay was to make sure everybody else felt okay. Mm. If there weren't a lot of ripples in the field or disturbances in the force, then I felt safe. Um, So my journey was a lot about healing that and seeing how self-destructive and actually how selfish it is to operate like that in the world and sort of dismantling that piece by piece as I went. Um, Thank you for the intro for sure. Um, So where do you, like when you think about what mature masculine looks like, I mean, I, I'm, I'm familiar with the feminine for sure. I mean, that's, that's what I do. That's what I'm talking about on the podcast. But the reason I'm having the masculine or mature masculine series is because what I'm noticing is there's a lot of men who most men, not most, well, maybe most, still don't understand what mature masculine looks like, right? They still think that it's this, you know, butchy, bravado-y, machismo type of shit that like, for one, it doesn't impress anybody and it's painful to them to be that way. And so I want to have this conversation, a friend of um, my friend, Neil Conlon, who who does the uh, newsletter Be Him, he's just started this really beautiful movement on educating and talking to other men like you about here's what we're seeing and this is how we've shifted. So like when you think about you in, you know, 10, 15 years ago, did you ever have a time in your life where you were the immature masculine or the wounded masculine? And like, did it show up as, you know, a cocky little shit? Did it show up as an asshole toward other people? Like, do you ever recall that time in your life or? Yeah, for sure. Okay. So talk about that. <laughs> it's Let's not hard to about that. Yeah, okay. Well, I want to preface it by saying this, like, I, th- I think, just like femininity, masculinity can show up immature or unhealthy or undeveloped masculinity can show up all over the spectrum. So one very extreme end of the spectrum is cold, unfeeling. Don't think about anybody else. Like you said, bravado, full of machismo domination. So that's like one end of the spectrum. The other end is like this very disempowered masculine that doesn't feel safe being in his power or her power because we all have both. Yep. But standing in one's power and just going, this is who the fuck I am. I don't need to dominate you, but this is who I am. And that's the other end of the spectrum. Someone who's completely unwilling to do that and completely terrified. So I've occupied both spaces, if, if I'm being honest. Um, I think when I was a lot younger, like middle school, early high school, I was in the much more cocky, sort of dominant, cut other people down just because I felt so unsafe. I felt so yep. insecure. And they're you know, in the early nineties, I didn't have any model for a masculine who was like caring and feeling. So I was like, well, that's, I guess that's how I survive. Um, so I used my humor a lot. I used my intellect to always sort of know, but always have the upper hand. Right. And in my adulthood, I think it shifted a lot the, the other way because of a lot of the examples of masculinity in my life. Um, where it went to a very disempowered state and it was very like that part of me was very afraid to stake my claim in anything or to have a clear opinion about anything, or to plant my flag and just go, here I am, this is who I'm here to be, and I'm completely receptive to other people and things at the same time, but I'm not going to waver in who I am. So long, long answer made short, I've experienced both ends of that spectrum. So what's more comfortable in the beginning anyway, before you do the work? Is it more comfortable to be fearful or is it more comfortable to be angry? 
Well, both are fearful, I would say, and I think both both have a pretty healthy degree of anger in them. I think it's a very personal question. I think it's really based on how we learn to feel safe as a kid. So for mm-hmm. me, though it was manifesting on sort of the anger and domination spectrum for a little bit, much more my safety zone was the other end, which was cowering, hiding, just being whoever I needed to be. So for me, that's absolutely what was safer. Uh, but that's just based on my particular upbringing. I don't think we can paint a broad brushstroke. Um, no, of course not. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it, it. all of this stuff, I mean, like for me, the the discovery has been how do I get into my feminine? That's why I started this whole thing because I started to see, at well, at the time, 43, that I was so deep into my masculine thinking I'm this strong, accomplished woman and I was single at the time and I could meet a guy. Like I was meeting them, but they were like, and I'm like, okay, but my girlfriends are like, oh, you, you look like this and you're sick. Like, of course you can. And I'm like, okay, but that's not really what's reality. It's not showing up in my results. No. So what the hell is going on? And, and it started to unravel itself. And I have four daughters um, from the age of 33 to, t- to 11. And I started to realize that I started treating them like they were part of my business. Not the older ones as much, but the younger ones, I was very like goal, goal, goal. And it's and it forced me to stop and say, okay, well, I'm not meeting a guy. I'm starting to feel a bit like a dickhead with my kids. Mm-hmm. What's going on here? And then I started to see that it was I was too far into my masculine and not enough into my feminine. And what does that even look like? Because like you, you know, I I was raised in um, an era, you know, even like 70s, 80s, and into the 90s where we went from these meek women in the 50s who just did everything that their husband said to power suits and no guy's going to fucking tell me anything. And so there's this disruption in really what's Mm -hmm. true to our core. And then we don't know how to get along with you because here we are trying to be like a guy and you're like, excuse me, I'm trying to be the mature masculine. What the hell are you doing? So so maybe if you could speak to that a bit, like interactions with women, men, whatever, how do you, do you see it ever where you're aware and you're like, oh, this woman is, needs some healing done. She's not, cause I hear it. The way I see it is they think they're being, um, these strong women and that's not strength. That's yeah, I, I, fear. I totally agree. And yes, I, to answer your question. Yeah. And I see it in men equally. So I want it from the outset be really clear on that. Yeah. It's like any human being who's in one of these things we call a body has learned how to feel safe. And we either did it by leaning way into the masculine and I'm going to control things. I'm going to dominate it or way into the feminine. And I'm just going to let life happen to me. I'm going to find a way to be okay. And it's pretty rare until someone is really addresses in themselves to find someone who's right in the middle. So I've seen extreme examples of both in my love life in my friendships in my business life all over the place. Um, And I think for me, what's interesting, at least in this moment, what's most interesting about this part of the conversation is like, you know, just giving someone the space to be who they are in that moment. Bless them. That's amazing. They're on their journey. They're going to learn incredible shit, as I'm sure you did from that part of your life, as I definitely did from that part of my life. And, um, you know, I don't think we can rush that process for someone. Someone really has to be ready to, to make that change and... Yeah, I like I like how you told that part of your story where it's like you just start seeing these results that are so inconsistent with what you want. And eventually, if a human being really wants to change, we go like, what the fuck is really going on here? <laughs> yeah. Like I say I want this, but I keep getting something that looks so different. 
Yeah. Okay. I got to really start looking. And then that's obviously when mountains can move for human once they're really ready to examine that. Um, But I think it's really an interesting conversation in, in the space of entrepreneurship because entrepreneurship in general is so often portrayed in a very, very masculine way. You got to mm-hmm. go get it. You got to go do it. You got to make it happen. You got to hustle, 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 hustle. Yeah. Crush yourself into a pulp that has nothing left to give yourself or your kids or your friends after, after you've done your work. Um, and then you have the opposite end of the spectrum too. And I see that not quite as much, but a lot when you start to bring in more of the metaphysical or quasi spiritual part of entrepreneurship where someone's like, well, I'm, you know, I'm just going to manifest it, law of attraction. I'm just going to sit here and like, I'm going to receive it. And that's hiding equally. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not yeah. going out to show up and be who we are. So I don't know if that answered your question. Yes, I see it show up all over the place all the time. It's an epidemic in our culture. So what about in dating, in your dating life? Do you see, do you see it where it's like, so are you, are you, do you date men or women? Then it'll help me to- I've been yeah. married and with the same woman for 14 okay. years. So I, so I haven't been in the dating Perfect. for a very long I know. time. I, was, I dipped a toe and it's scary. Stay where you are. <laughs> Don't just be where you are. So that's perfect. So if she, is she an entrepreneur? Or does she have- she Okay. So this is, yeah. I just had the most epic call um, with a couple as well. And if I'd known she was an entrepreneur, I would have made you drag her on here too. Um, but I would love to interview her at some point as well. So here's the thing that's so interesting about it is my husband and I are entrepreneurs as well. And so I'm definitely the alpha in business. Like we have another company together that we started as a couple, but I definitely alpha it because I saw where I wanted it to go and I pushed hard to go that way. So the challenge for us is that when we are done our work day, I have to take the alpha hat off and I have to release it and I have to shake it off and try to get into wifey mode really. And that's still, it's still learning. I'm still learning that. So how does that dynamic work with you guys? I mean, you know, ultimately the, what I've learned over time and with Tony and all of that is that the man still likes to be the hero and the king and the magician and, and all those beautiful things and care for us. Um, but then we also want to do some of that too. How, what's the dynamic between you when it comes to masculine and feminine energy? It's a great question. Um, the dynamic has almost completely flipped in the past five years, I would say. When we got together, and you know, I was in my, in my mid-20s when we got together, so I was a very different person at that point. Um, she was much more in the alpha role. She was already running a business. I was to a certain degree as a musician, but it looked really different. So I was in this more more meek, malleable, pliable, and she was in a little more fixed, rigid. I run this shit. I know how to do it. And in the past five years, especially, things have really flipped where obviously my learning in this lifetime was to step into the masculine in a very different way, to claim mm. who I am, plant my flag, so to speak. Hers was to go the opposite direction and become more receptive, open up to that femininity, feel, learn how to feel safe, um, not through controlling her environment. I won't speak too much to her process because that's her story to tell. But our dynamic has really flipped. Um, and I would say there's still challenges that show up. Yeah. There's still wounded parts of me that show up that like want someone else to take care of me sometime and want someone else to take care of the business in certain moments when I feel scared or unsure. There's still parts of her that want to clamp down and control it. And so it's this constant dialogue that we have. Um, and with both of us being entrepreneurs, um, we both need to understand how to step into both roles because mm-hmm. let's face it, like as the man, we can't be in our masculine purely. 
Nope. You know, an equal part of my business, aside from outreach and sales and really going towards the world, is getting receptive and getting quiet and going like, all right, universe, what, what is it you're asking me to create right now? And that's, that's not, the masculine is the one that acts on that. It's not the one that receives the messages. At least right. that's my experience. No, that's beautiful. So for me and in the world of entrepreneurship, I think it's a fascinating discussion because there's a lot of go, 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 go kick ass, go do this. But if that's not built on a foundation that's really rooted in the feminine and really rooted at a deep, deep level of listening to what we're being asked to create, what our purpose is, either the action gets us results, but we feel shitty when it does, or we just don't get the results, neither one of which is, is uh, particularly desirable, I would say. That was perfection, what you just said. Mm. Like, because people often think, especially young men will be like, oh, I'm going to be so fucking rich. I'm going to make all this money. And I always, and I always, the way I put what you just said is, um, if you follow your passion, the money will show up. Yeah. You know, I always right? say to people, Kara, is you, you're paid to be you. Right. That's it. And, so, yeah. and when you do follow your passion, the money does show up. But if it's purely led by that. Yeah. Just, it's painful. Yeah. And, and I love making money. I want to be like oh, brutally clear. So do I. <laughs> yeah. I can, you can tell you do. Everyone who works with me, they come to me essentially because they want to make more yeah. money, but it's not for the sake of making more money. Right. It's because of whatever that money represents, the desires it allows us to fulfill. But if that's the thing leading the way, we're right. actually not giving ourselves permission to full spectrum express who we are. And it's going to limit how we're paid by life, not just financially, but emotionally, psychologically. Yeah. There's that alignment piece that's missing. Right. And I know like, so the content company, which is the first company, like did it, is it doing, I mean, it's a, it's a bit of a challenge right now because when people panic, they stop their marketing right away, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's all good. But I felt, I feel passionate about how we write content. I know we write it. We're one of the top in the industry. We have exceptional writers. Am I passionate in an, is it light me up? to do content? No. Does this light me up? I'm working way more than ever before. I'm full of energy and that's it. Like, but I, I had to get out of my masculine and get still and quiet in my feminine to really a acknowledge that this is, I fought this for a long time. I fought talking about this because I didn't want to be like all the other ladies in their groups and all that other shit on my stories. But once I got quiet and still with it, it's like, it's just flooding at me. All the good is flooding at me. Yes. So let's talk a little bit about that in terms of entrepreneurship. Like when you're, and when, as a coach, I mean, you have to be able to sit still and be quiet and listen to people and sort of help them pull it out. But what are some of the rituals that you, and, and let's say getting it from your head to your heart. Cause that really, to me is heart, heart is feminine, head is masculine. Yeah, so when you're talking to really matters. Yeah. So when you're talking to a client, for example, and you, you think, holy shit, this person's in their head. They're just not, I can't get them down. And I always say to my kids, it's take the elevator down to your heart. And my kids are adults, but I still use that analogy because they get it. But is there a time when you're like, wow, you, you're, they're just not taking that elevator down to the heart? And, and what are some ways that you would maybe ignite that and get them to shift? I think that's a great question. Yes, there are tons of times because we all hide in our head. You know, I have a really simple exercise um, that I share with my clients to get to get them back in their body, to get them in their heart. Mm. Because if we're in our mind, we're just in protection mode most of the time. And it is the thing every single one of my clients has resisted doing the most. Bar none, it is so clear 
And I tell people ahead of time, I say, you're going to resist doing this. I promise you. I, I'm holding the vision that you don't, but I promise you, you're going to. Because the second we leave our head and we go into our heart and our body, we experience the truth and we experience it immediately. Like that. That. Everything shifts. And though it sounds fun to experience the truth, we can't hide anymore when we're in there. And the subconscious is so fucking crafty at getting us to hide. Isn't she though? It's amazing. I mean, it's like using the full power of God or the universe or source, whatever word anybody listening to this likes, to delude ourselves. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I have a couple of very simple practices. I bring people into their body immediately. And we don't stay there. But it's like um, we're in our imagination all the time, no matter what. All we're doing is fucking creating from our mind all the time. We just don't realize we're doing it. And most of the time we're imagining impending tragedy or doom. So that's what we're creating. That's the imagery we're living in. But we can just as easily switch the image or the imagination into something beautiful, expansive, that feels fucking amazing in our body, that connects us to God. And then that goes and allows us to take action. These, it's like both of our bodies and our nervous systems immediately relax just upon seeing that. It's so powerful. So yeah, I'll do whatever I have to to get someone into their body. And the second they're there and they're not running this, this mental loop of, of destruction in their mind, I'll then just shift them into an image of what it is that they want and allow them to actually have a felt experience of that. Because once we can feel something, we're in our emotions, we're invested. And once where our emotions are invested, we'll typically keep focusing in that place. Yep. So there's a million ways to do it. It really depends where someone is, but almost every session I have, someone needs at least a little nudge to get out of their mind and into their body. Yeah. Or and I, it, that is where all the magic happens, I think too. And um, I think it's like a muscle too, though, right? You just practice, practice, practice. And I know for, for as a female entrepreneur, often what I tell other women is dancing. Like that's one of the, um, have you been to a Tony Robbins event? I have not. No, are you are you ever gonna go? Do you think? I don't know. We'll see. It's, it's awesome. Well, I'm, I'm very familiar with Tony's work. I just haven't been to his events. Yeah, I mean, I I did a lot of his reading and all that kind of stuff, and then I went to his, my first live event, which was Business Mastery in 2017, and I haven't stopped since. And it it, it it's a totally different experience, as of course I'm sure you can appreciate. Um, but like one of the exercises we do at Date with Destiny, which is where a lot of this stuff is talked about and on relationship day, masculine and feminine, is we dance. And the, like when you're talking about, and Tony talks about getting in your body, that's why there's all the jumping and all the, all that shit that he does is to get you out of here and into here, because yeah. here is where all the magic really happens. So, I mean, you're fortunate, you're a coach. And so you have all these beautiful tools at your disposal. But if you went back and talked to like, let's say your 12 year old self, what, what kind of conversation would that look like? Would you, you know, could you tell them? vulnerability is beautiful and very strong. Would you tell them empathy is beautiful and strong? Like what are some of the ways that you would shift that narrative for the young man who's possibly learning to be the cocky, angry guy? Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. Vulnerability, empathy, deep feeling is a place of immense power. And what I didn't understand at that age, like that would be the message period. And I would help him however I could to feel safe in that. What I didn't get at that point was it felt really weak to be that. Not because I had some thought, oh, that's for women. Nothing, no, nothing like that. But it's, a, it's, a, it's challenging, as you know, to feel deeply. Because mm. you feel all sorts of shit all the time. It's a very porous experience. And when you're a kid or when you're a young man or becoming a young man, 
that is a very uh, unclear, confusing place to be. It's very uncertain. So yeah, I would want to go tell him like, hey, there's immense power in that. And you'll actually find the truth of who you are by amplifying that, by allowing that to be. And once you feel strong in that, you won't feel as porous to the world. You won't feel like you're just getting blown all over the place all the time. Because uh, I do, I think there's immense strength in that vulnerability, that, that capacity to listen. And um, I would absolutely encourage him to never change what is true for him to please another human being because that is a road filled with pain, nothing but pain. Mm. How do you, how would they, I mean, if you had to think about how do, how do you know when you're doing something for someone else versus your truth? I mean, at 12, it's hard, but let's say, yes. you know, early twenties, let's say that's the age we're talking about. If you're talking to a young man and he's like, yeah, but I don't know the truth of what I actually, who I am, do you, and you and I know that it's a matter of getting in his heart, but what are, what are some ways that you might tell him, you know, was it sit down and write, sit down and how would you tell him to, to sort of experience getting in his heart to really find that truth? I would probably approach it the way I do with every adult that I talk to. I don't know that it would be any different. Um, and that's what, through writing, through meditation, through any, there's a various roads to, or doors to this through, mm-hmm. through creative expression, but just like, what do you want? What lights you up? Because when I look back at my life, Kara, like around that age, 2021, 20, I was a mess. Mm-hmm. And part of why I was a mess is I didn't know it at the time, but I was really drawn to the type of work that I now do. I didn't know it existed, but the, the, inherent essence of it. I was really drawn to helping people, to connecting deeply with myself and God, and to using that as a catalyst to go create change in the world. But I had never been taught to listen to that part. I was so insecure and I was such a people pleaser. So I would, to that part of myself, to anyone in that position or to any adult, you know, I would say the same thing, which is like, what do you actually want? Because if we get quiet, we will eventually be honest with ourselves about what we want. And then, and then to make that the North Star where nothing else matters. And mm. one of the things I always ask people is if, if money wasn't an object, if you had a billion dollars in the bank and you didn't give a fuck what anybody thought of you, what would you go do right now? And right. if you hold someone's feet to the fire with that question, they'll answer and they'll answer really quickly. People do know. Oh, I know. I, I did that on Facebook this morning. I don't know if you saw it, but I said if I, and mine was not a billion, mine was a hundred thousand. I said, if I gave you a hundred thousand dollars right now, no questions asked, no tax, nothing to pay back what would you do? And it's fascinating to see what people are saying. And that's, and that is the truth. Um, well, no, I just want to add one more thing to that care before we shift. Like I always look at it this way that we're, we have like this untamed part of ourself that can never be tamed because it's one with all life. There is no taming it, but we have found these very creative ways to shove it like in this dark closet under the stairs that we pretend we don't even know the closet exists, let alone this part right. of ourselves, And if we open up the closet even a little bit, we take a flashlight and just start to look, that part will naturally come out and start expressing itself. And the way we start to access that closet or that dark side or the cage, however we want to think about it, is to just pay attention in every moment, even 5% more to like, what do I really want? When I go get a coffee, what do I really want? Not what do I think I can afford or like what's healthiest yep. for me? And if someone really gets mindful around that in 24 hours, they will move mountains. Mm. Because we're we're literally confronted or given the opportunity to to do that and to look at that what we really want in every given moment in, in almost every second of our life, but we're so unconscious of it. So just getting someone to pay a tiny bit more attention to that has a, a profound effect. Yeah, 
It's and it's true. And I think the interesting thing is that as you know, when we're I was always I I was always meant to be on this path and I'm 44 and it took me till now to figure it out. And I think if I was to tell my 20 year old self anything, it would be um, to exactly what you're saying, just trust that intuition. And for me, this wasn't even a thing when I was 20, like podcasting, having a a movement and a group of women that I talked to, that wasn't a thing, but it's um, an entrepreneur used to be the thing you did when you fucked up at everything else when I was younger, just like real estate. That was what you did. If you couldn't make it anywhere else, you were a real estate agent. And now it's very trendy to be an entrepreneur and a, and a coach and, and in real estate, to be honest, but it's true. It's just getting silent with yourself. And that's scary at that age too, right? Because I mean, your brain's not even finished developing scary yet. scary at every age. It is, but I, I in, have, in particular. I have met a human being that's not scared of doing that, myself included. True. Yeah. And I think like the, the, and I just had this with my uh, couple guests before this, but there's a, there's a weird confusion right now for young men and women on who's supposed to do what and how they're supposed to act. And, you know, like even in our marriages, right. There's still like, because your wife is an entrepreneur, she's got to get shit done. It's like, it is still really confusing on where do we all land and be happy. You know, it's so funny, man. I, I agree with everything you just said. And I'm, I'm just thinking about, I don't know what it's like to be a 20 year old right now um, in this particular climate, but, I, but I'm sure it's very confusing and very interesting. But for a 20 year old, for either of us in our marriages and our businesses, it's like, hey, we can just actually ask people what they need. Mm. And it's so simple and it is so simple, but what's implied in that asking is A, an extraordinary level of vulnerability because you might hear something you don't want to hear, B, an extraordinary level of self-trust that you're going to be okay and you're going to hold your own regardless of what someone does or does not like or wants or doesn't want. And um, though I'm sure it's very confusing to be a young person right now for a lot of different reasons, uh, the power of communication with ourselves and with other people is not to be overlooked. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely. I mean, I, uh, like, I, yeah, just with my daughters alone. I mean, I have conversations I've raised, I've raised and I'm raising my children. We both are in a quite a, I think a unique way in terms of communication. There's nothing we don't talk about. And I mean, nothing we don't talk about. All four of them are very open with both of us about everything. And, and when I look back at how I parented them before, even before I met my husband, one of both our two older kids are from separate relationships I was raising them to be little men mm-hmm. because that's what I thought strength looked like. And so when I say confusing, my kids in particular are the two middle ones are very, well, the, all, the oldest three, um, the 33 year old, she said, when I'm in my masculine, I'm very lonely. And when I'm in my feminine, I feel community. Yeah. And so the confusion I think is that I'm aware of it. And I, when I came back last year from one of the events, I said to them, I'm like, I'm mom is real, really sorry. Well, for what? And in particular, my 23-year-old, which is the one I had as a single mom. I said, well, I I've thought I was teaching you to be this really beautiful, strong woman. And I really was teaching you how to be a man and act like you don't need a man. And that that's not healthy either. But you taught us to be strong. And I said, that's that was the intention. But here's what I know now. And so I'm having to help three of them unravel <laughs> what I've taught them with pure intention Sure. But that's the confusion is that these young women are, and then that's who I speak to is they're confused by how do I show up in this beautiful heart of mine and not get trampled? Yes. You know, all that sort of thing. 
Um, so let's talk a little bit about the, the, how do you guys as a couple maintain balance between you? Do you have date nights? Do you do things like that? Are there times when you're like aware, you know, things are shifting a little bit too far this way. We need to kind of get them back in balance. Talk a little bit about that kind of stuff. Yeah, I, w- I would. It's a great question. I would say it's a it's an almost constant recalibration, just mm. really tuning in, especially the last two months. You know, we have yeah. two kids, a two year old and a ten year old. We're all in this space together, running two businesses out of this space. It's a lot. It's yep. a lot at once, as you know. And tending to all of those things, and and just maintaining like a core level of self care within that. That's like a more than full-time job to tend to a a marriage at the same time is amazing. And it consistently stretches the bandwidth of what's possible. So yeah, for us, it's just a lot of communication and checking in. What do you need right now? Mm. Yeah. Would you like to connect? Would you like to sit in silence, but sit together? Do you want to not see me for 24 hours? Because (laughs) for real, like I really ask. Yeah, no, I feel you. I totally, that's amazing. Especially, I would ask that normally, but especially now it's like, I, I just, I never assume to know what my wife needs and same, same with her. And so it's always just checking in and, and really communicating and trusting each other that we're actually going to speak what our needs are. So, so let's speak to if you're a man who, cause I mean, again, I'm, I'm keep kind of going back to this. You are a unicorn, you are a coach. So you have all these tools and you know, all this, all this information that a lot of men don't know. So how do you know when to check in? Is it just a practice that you learn through coaching? Is it like, and, and I guess what I'm really asking is if you're an average guy and this is all new for you, what are some ways that you can maybe have a little bit of a trigger or flag that you can start to notice? Because generally a guy's not going to come out on his own and say, what do you need right now? They're just not, you're not built that way unless you are, you've built a muscle. So let's say we're talking about a guy who's not built that way are there any little tricks that they can start to think about the needs of the feminine energy that you can give us? Yeah, that's, that's an awesome question. I would say to err on the side, of, like be really liberal with how much you check in. At first, you won't need to as often once you really dial this in, but assume you need to check in almost every single interaction. And it might sound contrived or, or even fucking annoying at first to your partner, Um but I'd rather have you err on that side than ignoring it. And just mm. watch every time you walk into a room, just watch what you're thinking. Are you even fucking aware of what another person is experiencing? And I'm not suggesting we need to be over aware of that. Just to be clear, right. we don't need to take care of people. Um, but just like, are you aware that there's another human here? Are you aware of all the presumptions you have about what he or she needs in that given moment? So err on the side of, of, um, caution, I guess I would call it, and just check in way more than you think you need to. And it can be yeah. very light. It doesn't have to be an in-depth psychological or emotional right. yeah. Hey, how are you, love? Sweetheart, what's going on? What yeah. would light you up right now? That's fucking sexy. That's exciting to yeah. receive that. Yeah. And, and, and that is it. Like from, so what happens when you do that, and ladies hear this because, and gentlemen hear this, but what happens for us when you do that is... Shoulders drop, a deep breath happens. All of a sudden, I'm feeling safe, and I can relax a little bit. And then the the interaction becomes, holy shit, he's really gives a shit about my needs right now. And 
but the but the physical relaxation puts us in our bodies and as soon as we are in our bodies that's a game changer a hundred percent that's beautiful and so how do you how do you feel supported and, and this is a big topic like you know we we know that to put you into your feminine wounded feminine we must criticize you try to control you <laughs> do all those shitty things so what what are some kind of i mean obviously we shouldn't be doing those things but when when they happen how does that like tell me how does that feel when if your wife is in her masculine and she's being however she needs to be that she feels and she's critical and closed off what does that feel like for a man well i i you know i don't know if it feels like this for any other man i'll just speak for myself on this but um yeah it's like not not having the spaciousness to spread my wings is like how i would put it meaning like the masculine i got this i fucking right. got this not that i know every answer i don't but to as much to it, to whatever degree any human's got this and is intimately connected with God all the time, we all got this. So it's like, we don't need to like put all these parameters and make this tiny fucking box of it. I got this. Let me breathe. Let me yeah. relax. Um, and when that happens, you know, I do my best, of course, to not ever take that personally and just go like, oh, she, she's on one right now. I wonder what's going on for her. I love hey, it. Love, what's, what's going on right what's now? What's up? What's to going not, on? Yeah, to not bite on it at all. Just, I, hey, I, I see something's up. I, I think humor, it's not always oh. the best tool, but I think it's a really good tool to meet someone's triggers with um, if the trigger isn't, hasn't risen past a certain point. So yeah. Just bring levity. I'm like, oh yeah. my God, I am on one right now. That's yeah. crazy. It works really well in the reverse too for, for any women listening to this and relationships of men. If I'm on one and I don't realize I'm on one and my wife meets me with humor and is like, dude, what's going on? Yeah. That's a, that's a much more disarming for me than going like, what the fuck is wrong? What are you doing in the attack? <laughs> yeah. And it's one sentence. Like oh, I know yes. when Ken, Ken tries to break, like I get it up in it and then I'm being my you know, tornado feminine energy, crazy shit self sometimes. And if he just snaps a joke at me, I'm like, fuck, <sighs> I got nothing. Yeah. But if he's like, what is, what's wrong with you? It's the one sentence. Involved, yeah. You're like, I'm done. And then I just get further into my asshole mood and then here we are fighting. But yeah, it's like humor is such a good way to break a pattern yeah, and I it's not hard. Really, no, it's not. I think humor is really awesome. Gentle physical touch is really mm-hmm. awesome. Just a hand yep. on the shoulder, no verbal yep. reaction at all. A hug, just a smile. All these little things to disarm the nervous system. Yeah. Because once the nervous system relaxes, then the mind can think differently. Vice versa yeah. as well. Well, it's it's a bit akin to dogs, right? Like you, I mean, I love Caesar Milan and that's it. Like he said, he says, you know, when you disarm the nervous system and it just relaxes, there's a different choice. Yes. Um, and it, And I will say that in the when you're in your head and you're trying to disarm your lover, your boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever, it's harder than when you're in your heart. So it's sort of like you have to, one of you has to really get out of the head. Cause then all of a sudden you're, you're being this judgy thing and you're like, well, I'm not going to break her pattern. She's being a bitch right now. I don't want to do that. But in your heart, totally. you're like, I'm just going to go ahead and break this pattern. Yeah. And when we're in that, that first reaction, we're just immediately in a power struggle. Right. No one's going to win and everyone's miserable. And when we go into the second one, it's a win-win. It's a symbiotic relationship. I always ask myself and teach other people too, like, what's the most loving thing I can do? Not even for this person, just like for life in general, through us interacting. What's the most loving thing I can do? Yeah. And that option always feels better. 
Yeah. I say that to the kids, like the youngest, she's 11 and um, she's, the filter's not there as much some of the time and she'll say certain things and they're true. What she says is true, but it's not kind always. And I'll say, is there kindness there? And she'll be like, yeah, no, I'll say it to Ken. He'll say it to me. Was that kind? Did that need to be said? Mm, yeah. No, probably not. Yeah. Um, so any, any kind of last words of wisdom for, for the men to um, really own their mature masculine? You have a beautiful grasp of it. So I, I want people to hear. Uh, thanks. That's, that's very kind to say. Um, I would say this, like there's a Lao Tzu quote I really like, and I'm sort of grossly translating it, but it's our, our greatest defense is nakedness and vulnerability. Meaning when we're not hiding who we are, both the power and the immense strength and also the extraordinary tenderness and vulnerability, we all have both. Life flows better, relationships flows better, money flows better, and most importantly, we feel better. So I'd really urge men and women, honestly, this is true for all of us, to, to find that place of balance in yourself where you're completely aware of your strength, but your strength is not derived by defending yourself, protecting yourself, making anybody or anything else wrong. Because when we're defended and protected, it takes so much life force to keep us like that. And that's life force that's not listening to the, to the divine uh, objective moving through us and moving life through us. So that's energy being diverted from where it's supposed to go. And the results in our life will be according to that. Thank you for that. Um, so where can people find you if they want to connect? Yeah, they can find me very easily on my website, which is just tristangutner.com. I'm on Facebook, Instagram. Uh, I have a, a recent love affair with TikTok. You can find me there too. <laughs> I know, I'm obsessed. Uh. It's a bold new world. <laughs> It's really the height of creativity. It's very interesting. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I can um, lose an hour there for sure. No problem. Yeah. So you guys can find me there. It's really easy. And then you can tune in with my podcast as well if you want, which is called The Lift with Tristan Guttner. Amazing. Well, thank you for the really quick uh, move to get on here. I'm, I, this was epic. And uh, I know it's going to be uh, a lot of value for the listeners. So thank you so much for coming on. And um, we'll talk soon. All right. Thanks for having Alrighty. me, Kara. Peace. Bye.